Christ is risen. It is good to be with you all this morning. Um, do be praying for Father Chris. He uh, is experiencing another pretty intense migraine that he's been unable to kind of get under, under control today. So he's, he's not with us. Um, so we're praying for him. Bishop Ed is uh, at his lake house with some, some family. He's watching some littles with uh, his wife, Gail. And so we're praying for them. Um, and then uh, Father Brent and Reverend Janice uh, wish them well. You won't see them again until maybe the beginning of August. Um, they, they're just, they're gone. Um, they're traveling around the world. I think they're in Paris right now, which is really wonderful. Uh, so love that for them. Um, but here we are. <laughs> and it's probably a good thing that uh, <laughs> Brent and Janice aren't here today because I'd be a little concerned that they would try to like psychoanalyze some of, of what I want to share with you. I want to talk a little bit about dreams. Um, this is probably not your experience. If it is your experience, welcome to the, the kind of <laughs> insanity that feels like my, my brain sometimes. I, I have two places where I have dreams. I don't know if anybody else has this experience. When I dream, I'm always in like one of two locations. Uh, I, I'm either in my childhood home that I, I, I lived in until I was uh, 18, or I'm at my church that I grew up in as a kid, my, my family's church that they, they pastored and, and raised us in. All of my dreams happen in these spaces. Like, it doesn't matter what's actually going on in the dream. It doesn't matter who's with me, what we're doing. Somehow we always end up in these places. And, and what ends up happening for me, and I don't know if this is true of you. Again, I'm glad Father Brent and Reverend Janice aren't here today. But when I have those kinds of dreams, which is nearly every dream I have, I, I, I kind of wake up with a sense of, of, of longing, a kind of um, like nostalgia in, in some of the worst ways, right? Of like wanting, desiring to be able to go back into those spaces. And I think some of that is this kind of restless longing for, for home, right? And when we think about those longings, we think about those desires, we always attach them to places. Spaces and places in our lives, they have, they have real power for how we understand the world. They give us a sense of, of groundedness. Home for us is a meaningful reality. So when I think about the church that I grew up in, I mean, when you're a pastor's kid and you go to church as much as we went to church, we went to Sunday school in the morning, Sunday worship service, Sunday evening service, Wednesday night uh, youth group, Friday night outreach, Saturday night prayer meeting. We were in, and then, I mean, as the pastor's kid, you, you get dragged along for meetings and for, you know, every excuse that you can think of to get dragged to church. I spent so much of my life in these walls which is really wonderful as a pastor's kid because when it's a big building like the one we had, you get to know like the catwalks. <laughs> you start to find all of like the little hidden spaces that nobody else really knows about, right? So you have these, these fond memories and these things that, the, the smells of those spaces that feel like home, right? 
All of these places for us, they matter. They give us a sense of groundedness, a sense of home. As people of faith, I think that we want the spiritual geography of our lives to, to, to work the same way. We need markers in our lives that, that feel like home, and we long for those things. This is what we mean when we talk about like the Ebenezer's. Here I raise my Ebenezer. The Ebenezer is that, that monument, that thing that you can go back to where you remember what God did. This is the idea of an Ebenezer. Abraham Heschel, he, he defines faith by talking about these Ebenezers. He says, he says, faith is being faithful to a time when you had faith. <laughs> that, that somehow us journeying into a life of faith is really about remembering what God has done for us in the past. But unfortunately for you and for me, as we're journeying into the future, oftentimes that looks like a kind of restlessness that we're kind of searching for those same kinds of Ebenezer's, those same kinds of places that we can call home, but we're never sure we're gonna find them. We don't know exactly where to look for them. And so what do we do? That's something of what I wanna to talk to us about today. The whole trajectory of this gospel text is really fascinating. Jesus has a mission. He has something that he has set out to do. Again, his, his face is set toward Jerusalem. They're moving forward. And of course, the disciples are following along, doing all kinds of disciple things, right? Like, can we send fire to consume? Like, what? who does that? And of course, Jesus rebukes them. They keep moving forward. And then someone just kind of blurts out. There's no real context. It doesn't feel like there's an ongoing conversation here. Somebody just kind of blurts out as they're moving along. Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Totally normal thing to do. And it's interesting that Jesus' response isn't, yes, come on, let's go. His response is, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. This is a lot of what our lives feel like right now. Trying to follow Jesus in a world that is equal parts unstable and unfamiliar. We're desperately wanting a nest or a hole, a place that we can say, we're here and we've arrived and can we just stay here? <laughs> and can this be home for a little while? And then, of course, we're following this Jesus who is always restless, who is always moving, who is always taking us to different places. This is the Jesus we encounter in the gospel. Most of us, we have, we have something that always feels just around the corner for us. Something that you're saying to yourself, if I can just get this thing sorted out, life will settle down. If I can just get moved, if I can just get graduated, if I can just get married, if I can just finish this house project, if I can just sort out this one relationship, everything else will settle down. There's always a sense, even a, a, a false one, often a false one that if I can just get this one thing done, everything else will settle. 
everything with me. And Jesus will be good. We'll have our hole. We'll have our nest. We'll have our own spot. And we're just going to settle down here for a while. How's that working out so far? <laughs> Do you remember at the beginning of 2020 when every pastor was preaching sermons about 2020 vision? Yeah, like how'd that work out? No matter what you think is going on in your life, that you think, if I can just check this one box, if I can just get this one thing done, if I can just sort out this one relationship and everything else will settle, I'm sorry, that's just not how life works. Because, of course, the plot line, it only resolves just a little. Like that thing may feel resolved. But then it's just on to the next thing. Something else is happening. Something else chaotic is going on in the world and in your life. And this happens to us for so long, over so much time, that we, we don't know how to live any other way than with a sense of restlessness. The trouble with that is when we're living with that perpetual kind of restlessness and homesickness, we never feel settled. And it feels like everything just keeps coming at us, ready or not. And I'm not, this isn't just about like life circumstances, right? As, as human and normal as this is, this, this ache for home that wants to be fulfilled, our, our desire tends to be primarily for my nest and for my hole <laughs> and for my security, for my space. The reality is that our desire for those places that we can call home is really a desire to just remain unbothered. A nest, but big enough for one. This is what we want. We want a hole that's just big enough for me to crawl into and everything else will just go away for a little while. I read a meme this morning that said, some things are, are just best left alone, including me. <laughs> this is oftentimes how we feel about the world. But this is the thing about life on the move with Jesus is that so long as we're on the move, our lives, our hearts are exposed to somebody or something else. While our desire for home and for settledness is usually a way of protecting ourselves from the world and from other people. But that's not the life that Jesus invites us into. To be on the move with Jesus is to constantly be bumping up against the world and other people. It's just the shape that our life takes. And this life is always changing us and shaping us. God is always changing us and shaping us. And the changing and the shaping can oftentimes be painful and it can be uncomfortable. So the only way that we know how to resist this discomfort is, is to put some walls up. Again, to dig a hole for ourselves. Isolate just a little bit to keep the world at bay just a little bit. Here, Jesus talks about foxes having their holes and birds of the air having their nest. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus does not settle down. In this life, Jesus is always on the move. This is the Jesus that we follow. I want to contrast this text with another line from Jesus, one that we're familiar with. But I think we, we've heard it in, in some ways that are a little confusing and maybe a little bit unfaithful. 
This is John 14. This is a text we're all familiar with. It says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. There are many rooms, another translation says. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. We usually hear this text in a very specific context. Any guesses where we usually hear John 14 about Jesus going away to prepare a place for us so that where he is, we might be also. It's funerals. Usually heard at someone's funeral after someone's died and we, we, we tell one another this text, we read this to each other in this sense of so-and-so's not here with us anymore, but we know where they are. We know that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for them and that if Jesus is in heaven, they're in heaven. So we hear this because we hear this as a passage about heaven. We hear Jesus saying, I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you in heaven so that one day you can also go to heaven because I am in heaven. But that's not, <laughs> that's, that's not what the text says. Let me be clear for just a second. I believe in heaven. So deep breath, collective, okay. He believes in something, and it's heaven. But I think our understanding about heaven could use a little tweaking every now and again. Heaven is the place where the glory of God originates, not the place where the glory of God ends. Isaiah prophesies that in the end, that that day will come when the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the water covers the sea. The image that we receive at the end of Revelation is that there is a, a new heaven and a new earth, that these two realities become one. I don't think heaven is a, is a far off, distant place. In the Jewish understanding, heaven is much, much closer. Even the sky immediately around us is part of the heavens. The heavens are all around you. And as it's been said, heaven is more of a dimension than it is a, a direction. Heaven is the place where, where God rules. Heaven is that place where God is getting what God wants. As, as we pray every week, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So one day, these, these things will merge. These two realities will become one. I believe that. But I also believe that the project that God is about is not God preserving the good people for heaven. God is renewing the earth. This is the God project. This is God's kingdom coming. God is renewing the earth. So when Jesus says that he's going to prepare a place for us so that where he is, we can be also, I, I, I don't think this is so much about the place that he's preparing for us is in heaven, out there somewhere. But I think this is the image that we have in our minds that, this is silly, that ever, ever since Jesus ascended <laughs> to the right hand of the Father, that he's like, man, good thing Joseph was a carpenter. 
And good thing he taught me. He's like putting on his belt and his little hat and he's like sawing away up there in heaven, like the, like the biggest like Habitat for Humanity project that we've ever seen. This is not what Jesus is doing right now. I don't think that's the kind of space that Jesus is talking about. I think the kind of place is not about heaven or a geographical location. The location here that Jesus is talking about, preparing a place for us, is in the very heart of God himself. God is the place. God is the home. In him we live and move and have our being. The home that we're looking for, longing for, that thing that we crave more than the places that we dream about is to be with God. God's presence is the home. And wherever we abide with him, and he abides in us, and we have union with God the Father, there is a way that we are at home no matter where we are, because we learn to be at home in the presence of God, in spite of whatever restlessness we're sensing, in spite of whatever longing and desire for the world that's not yet realized, we can learn to be at home in God because Jesus has made it possible. Jesus has made space in God's heart for God's people. That doesn't make this other kind of homesickness or restlessness go away. There are people that are departed that we miss. We're looking forward to that day there are some kinds of longings that will not entirely be fulfilled in us until instead of seeing through a glass darkly, we see face to face, in Paul's words. But part of what this means is that even in the grief of those unrealized dreams or unfulfilled hopes or longings, there is one in whom I am perfectly at home one in whom I am already complete and fulfilled, that, that settledness that I long for, it may not come this side of the grave, but that's okay. Because I can make my home in God. And that's only possible because Jesus has done it first. When I think about what it's like when I build my own nest, for me to construct my own little house about my fears and the parts of me that I can't put out there and then the parts that want to retreat and hide, it's always for me. It's always for my family, for my people, my desire, my longing for a settledness as opposed to a restlessness. It's always about a kind of protection. It's always about a kind of security for me and for mine. And yet the Jesus who tells us that he has no place to lay his head, he goes on to tell us that he's going to prepare this other place. The home that Jesus goes to build is not for himself. It is a home for others. It's a home not for me, for us. It's not his own space for his own preferences with his own rules. It is a space for us. It's not home as a retreat. It's not home as a kind of pulling away. For Jesus, the kind of home that he is building is a kind of place with many rooms and a lot of space for all kinds of people, 
Like we read in Revelation, the spirit and the bride say, come, come, come home is the invitation that the spirit and the bride gives to the world. This is the kind of spirituality, the kind of life with God that I want to build. Rather than finding my own safe space, what would it look like to cultivate the kind of life that rather than self-protecting, we start making room for others? To become the kind of person who's always trying to make space for others, who's always trying to build God's kingdom in such a way that it will always make room for other kinds of people. That rather than taking care of my own needs and my own desires, my whole life could be about making space for others because that's what Jesus is doing. That's what God is doing, always finding ways to make more space, to make more room. This is the point. I think there are a lot of us living in places where with all the things changing in the world, some of which are very unpleasant, with all the things that are always changing inside of you and your life with God, we want to be settled. And so all of a sudden, we go back to those places that we've been homesick for. We go back to those places that we long for, that shaped us. Like those places in my dreams. I, somebody just bought my childhood home uh, a couple weeks ago or last month or something. And so they had pictures up online and, and rooms that I remember feeling so expansive and so big, suddenly I'm looking at that going, that room's that small? There's only room in there for what? Because we're growing as people. And oftentimes, as soon as we start to step back into some of those same old ideas, those same kinds of spaces that we were homesick for, we step in there, we go, oh, this is much smaller than I remember. The room that God is trying to build for us is always expanding. The more and more we grow in God, who is roomy, who is large, whose heart is always open, the more we grow in, the God, in that kind of God, the more our old constructs of that God start to feel smaller and smaller and smaller. This is why we have to resist the hunkering down, the building of our own nest, putting up of our own walls to protect us from the world because God is big and getting bigger. <laughs> And he wants us to be out there on the move with him in the world as Jesus is making room in God's own life for God's own people. I thought this little world that I had was everything. I thought my tribe was the only tribe, that my people were the only people that mattered. Remember that text about Abraham? And you've heard me say this before, but I think the point still holds up, that Abraham is this guy that, that God calls out of his own people. He calls him out of his own nation to go and be a new nation. This is a brand new idea in human history. And what is the call that God gives to Abraham in becoming a new kind of people? He says, go and be a nation that blesses other nations. Again, a brand new idea in the world because nations did not bless other nations. Nations murdered and pillaged and took from and competed with other nations. 
And so here's Abraham. He's going about the world. He's doing this whole God project, this brand new idea that nobody else is in on. And then what happens? This guy Melchizedek shows up on the scene and he comes out to Abraham and he comes bearing gifts of bread and wine. And what does he do? He blesses Abraham. He does the very thing that Abraham is convinced nobody else is in on this project. <laughs> and yet here's this guy that I've never seen before, this person who I don't know about, who just walks into the scene and he does the thing that Abraham is supposed to be doing all by himself. Or think about our text from last week where Elijah is going, I'm the only one who's been faithful to you. <laughs> it's just me out here. And then God says, that's really sweet. Here's 7,000 other people who have been faithful that I've been preserving for faithfulness. See, this is the point. All of a sudden, these, these systems and these constructs that we build to protect ourselves, to be, to be airtight against doubt and questions and the wrong kinds of people, suddenly these ideas will seem too small. Because God is always finding other people to invite into the project that you have no idea about. And we can live in one of two ways. We can either live resistant to those people, or we can live with our hearts open and our minds open as we encounter them and we see God is doing something in their life too. They're part of the project. <laughs> They're part of the brand new thing that I thought that I was the only person who was a part of the brand new thing. The old clothes just don't seem to fit anymore. The place that before felt cozy all of a sudden feels too tight. This is the kind of restlessness we're invited into. And so what if this is growing in our life with Christ, recognizing that as we grow, the house is growing with us. That discomfort and unease about the way things have been, it doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It means that your heart is growing to fill the space God is making for us. This is the life of the psalmist. The psalmist says that God has set my feet in a broad space. That in those moments where you feel like your back is up against the wall, God puts you in a place and says, look how expansive this space is. Look how big my love actually is. Look how large the rooms are that Christ has prepared for us. If God's heart isn't expanding and the house doesn't start to feel a little tight, are we following this Jesus who is on the move? It means being uncomfortable sometimes. It means being challenged sometimes. So what does this resolve? How does this make my life richer? How does this help me be prosperous? Well, here is the good news. It, it doesn't. But what it does mean is that when you feel stretched and the places that you've lived start feeling too small, that this can be trusted as the stretching work of God in your life. When the world doesn't feel stable and it's probably not going to, what would it look like to get a little more at home in the restlessness and say, so long as I can be here with God, 
joined here by God, I can be all right. When some other walls have to get torn down and expanded and rebuilt, I can be okay here at home in the God who loves me. The Father's house is a house with many rooms and many spaces. The Father's house, (laughs) here's what I know in this season. I was sharing just before service that I'm doing a lot of back and forth driving right now. My family decided to live at my in-law's lake house for the summer, and it's four hours away in Missouri, which means like Monday through Friday, we're tearing it up, having a great time, but come Saturday and Sunday, I'm driving and I'm driving, and it's a lot. Rant over. Don't tell my wife I was complaining. But it also means that when I get home to Tulsa, and I unlock my front door, and I walk in, and it's quiet, and it's empty, and nobody's there. There's no buzz around the house. The, the father's house isn't the father's house until the kids are all in the house. And if it works like that for our own lives, it's true of the heart of God. That in the Father's house, there are many rooms and there are many spaces, that these are spaces Christ is preparing for us. The Father's house is not the Father's house until all the kids are home. This is the point, that so long as there are still children out there who have not yet come home, the restlessness in God and the restlessness in ourselves doesn't get settled. It doesn't get resolved. It continues because the house that the Father built is not yet full. The space that Jesus made for us isn't yet filled. The table that Jesus spreads for us and invites us to come is not yet fully attended. Every week when we finish up here, a handful of faithful people within sanctuary, they come and they gather the bread and they package it up and they take it home and they find these quiet places in their, in their yards or maybe out in the woods somewhere. And prayerfully, they give those gifts back to the earth. We don't throw them in the trash because of what we believe is happening on this table. But here's the thing. Every week, we have to package it up. Every week, we're gathering gifts that were meant to be given, but there wasn't anybody here to receive it. This is the ongoing restlessness of the heart of God and of our own lives, is that there are people who have been invited who have not yet received the invitation. And when I get comfortable, when I lose touch with the restlessness of the Spirit, I lose this restlessness for the kinds of people that the Father is pursuing when I'm settled, I'm not chasing the kinds of people that Jesus is chasing. I'm not running after people the way I know God has come running after me. What if in these days, this is part of the burden that God is interested in not freeing us from? That God is burdening us with a sense of restlessness. Because if we get too comfortable, If we get too settled, we won't be about the work God has given us to do. And if we get too settled, we'll just become too much about us, about our nest, and about our hole, 
our places of safety and security. So when you start to feel stretched, when you start to feel stretched, and there's a longing and an ache in you that you're not exactly sure what it is or how to name it, don't build up your walls. Don't start digging your hole. Don't hunker down. Lean in. Trust it. Know that even as you step out in those kind of scary spaces, that you are safe because you are directly in the heart of God. How do I know that? Because that's where Jesus is promised to be. This is the stretching. This is the welcoming, inviting work of the Spirit who wants to make room in you in the same way the Father has made room for you. Amen.